Then At-Tahawi, rahimahullah, continues here with point 167. وَالْحَجُّ وَالْجِهَادُ مَاضِيَانِ مَعَأُولِ الْأَمْرِ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ بَرِّهِمْ وَفَاجِرِهِمْ إِلَى قِيَامِ السَّاعَةِ لَا يُبْطِلُهُمَا شَيْءٌ وَلَا يُنْقُذُهُمَا وَلَا يُنْقِذُهُمَا وَلَا يُنْقِذُهُمَا أَنْقَضَ يُنْقِذُهُ The last word you read here, يُنْقِذُهُمَا And the Hajj and the Jihad continue along with those in authority over the Muslims. Those who are righteous and those who are sinners until the establishment of the hour. Nothing abolishes them or cancels them. Shaykh al-Fawzan says in his explanation the matter of prayer behind the rulers has already proceeded. Praying behind them, whether they be righteous or sinners. And the Sheikh is indicating mean, that it came before in point number 152. We had that point in point 152. So to repeat, the matter of prayer, the matter of prayer behind the rulers, whether they be righteous or sinners, has already proceeded. So we pray behind them in compliance with the command of the Prophet ﷺ. Since he commanded us with obedience to them and he forbade us from differing with them. And the companions, they complied with his command. So they used to pray behind the rulers. Even if they committed some of the major sins, the kabair, such as al-hajjaj and others. I mean, an example of a ruler who committed major sins, so they still, the salaf used to pray behind, the companions used to pray behind, was al-hajjaj. Al-hajjaj meaning al-hajjaj ibn Yusuf. And this action was done to preserve unity. This is the position of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Contrary to the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila. I mean, as, we heard, as we had before, the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila, those who hold that if the ruler commits sins, that we rebel against him. So Sheikh said, rather that we pray behind the rulers, we obey and pray behind the rulers. That's the position of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Contrary to the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila. Then he said, and his saying, Nara al Hajja wal Jihad. We hold performing the Hajj and the Jihad. He said, it is obligatory upon the Muslims every year that they establish the Hajj 
I mean, the whole of the Muslims. It's obligatory upon the whole of the Muslims. Amongst them, there are those who establish every year the Hajj. And as for individuals, then if one of them performs Hajj a single time, then that is sufficient for him. And whoever does more, then that is something extra. In other words, that the Hajj must be performed every year by some. There can't be a year when no Hajj is performed. Every year the Hajj has to be performed by some, someone from the Muslims. And upon individual Muslims, an individual Muslim who is able, he has to perform Hajj once in his life. Then the Shaykh said, And the person who establishes the Hajj is the ruler of the Muslims. He is the one who leads those performing the Hajj and who announces the day of Arafah and stands with them in Arafah and proceeds to Muzdalifah. And they likewise follow him in the places of the rites of Hajj. And it is the same whether it is the ruler or someone deputizing for him. I mean, all of that, I mean, the one who establishes the Hajj, either it's the ruler and does all of these things, either it be the ruler himself or someone deputizing for him. He said, and the affair should not be anarchy. Should not be anarchy. And the Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they perform the Hajj along with their ruler. He, alayhi salatu wassalam, said, As-sawmu yawma yasumun nas, wal-adha yawma yudahhin nas. The fasting is the day when the people fast. And the day of adha is the day when the people perform the adha sacrifice. And in a footnote they mention about this hadith, the hadith is reported by Tirmidhi and by Abu Dawud also with a wording very close to this and by Ibn Majah. And the hadith is declared sahih, authentic by Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah. And the actual wording of the hadith with, with that Tirmidhi is As-sawmu yawma tasumun wal-fitru yawma tuftirun wal-adha yawma tudahhun that the Prophet said the fast is the day when you people fast and the breaking of the fast is the day when you people break the fast and the adha sacrifice is when you people perform the adha sacrifice. Shaykh al-Albani authenticates this in as sahiha as hadith number 224, and he mentions a further narration that we'll mention here from Aisha, radiallahu anha, that will add clarity to the meaning, or will give us further clarity with regard to the meaning. So, Al-Bayhaqi reports a narration from Masruq, from a famous tabi'i, Masruq, rahimahullah, that he said, 
I entered upon Aisha on the day of Arafah. So she said, give Masruq some gruel, some sort of porridge, and make it very sweet. So he said, I said, nothing prevents me from fasting today. I mean, it was the day of Arafah. Nothing prevents me from fasting today, except that I feared that it would actually be the day of sacrifice. In other words, he was afraid, same as pe people these days say, what if people made a mistake? What if the moon was sighted on the wrong day, they say? And it, this, they get the day wrong, and it, therefore th there's a problem. So Masruq said, he didn't want to fast, he, he was not fasting on the day of Arafah, the ninth, for fear that they'd got the date wrong, they'd seen the moon on the wrong day, as, the, as people say, and therefore it was actually the tenth, the day of sacrifice, when it's prohibited to fast. So that's what he said. He said, nothing prevented me from fasting, except that I feared that it was actually the day of sacrifice. So Aisha said, Annahru yawma yanhurun nas, walfitru yawma yuftirun nas. She said, the day of sacrifice is when the people perform the sacrifice. And the day of fitr, Eid al-Fitr, is the day when the people celebrate the Eid al-Fitr. Shaykh al-Bani mentioned this chain of narration is good, along with the hadith. So back to what Shaykh al-Fawzan brings. So he mentioned the hadith, the fast is the day when the people fast. And the day of the Adha sacrifice is the day when the people perform the Adha sacrifice. <laughs> then Shaykh Al-Fawzan said, This is the nation of Islam. They fast together. When they have a common time of appearance of the moon. And they perform the Hajj together. And they perform the Eid prayer together. So al-jama'ah, the congregation, is from the characteristics of the people of the sunnah. And being split is from the characteristics of the ahlul bid'ah wal-dalal. And being split apart is one of the characteristics of the people of innovations and misguidance. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan in what follows... He deals with the second of the matters, the matter of jihad, and he mentions a long explanation with regard to that. So he says, And the jihad, what is meant by it, is fighting against the unbelievers, the kuffar, and against the, the bughat, against the, the rebels, and against the rebels from the Muslims, and fighting against the khawarij. So he mentioned three types of people who are fought in jihad. Fighting against the kuffar, the unbelievers. Fighting against those Muslims who are rebels. And fighting against the khawarij. Then he said, So we fight along with the ruler of the Muslims. We fight together with the ruler of the Muslims. So we fight against the rebels. Because of their rebellion and not because they are unbelievers. Sheikh Al-Fawzan has explained the point, what, with regard to those who are, who are Muslims, 
within the ummah rebelling against the ruler. They're rebels, they rebel against the rulers. Why do we fight them? Do we fight them because they're unbelievers? No. Rather we fight them because of their rebellion to stop that. Then he gives an evidence. وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا فَإِن بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا عَلَى الْأُخْرَى فَقَاتِلُوا الَّتِي تَبْغِي حَتَّى تَفِيءَ إِلَى أَمْرِ اللَّهِ Surah Al-Hujurat, the 49th Surah, Ayah 9. With the explanation, and if two groups from the believers fight with each other, then establish peace between them. And then, if one of them commits aggression against the other, then fight against the one which commits aggression until it submits to the command of Allah. So that's the first type of jihad that Shaykh mentioned, fighting against the rebels, Ahlul Baghi, to stop their rebellion. Then he moves on and he says, and fighting against the kuffar, fighting against the unbelievers, is in order to propagate tawheed and to uproot shirk. So he gives the reason for fighting jihad against the kuffar. That's the reason for it. Fighting against the unbelievers is in order to propagate tawheed and to uproot shirk. Then he said, and fighting against the unbelievers is of two kinds. The first kind is qitalu difa' Fighting to repel them. Or defensive. The fighting of repelling. And this occurs in the case where the Muslims are in a state of weakness. So when the enemy attacks their lands, then it becomes obligatory to fight against them. So it becomes obligatory upon who, everyone who's able to bear arms to fight against them in order to push the enemy out from their land. So that's the first type of fighting against the kuffar. When the kafirs enter the Muslim land, fighting to push them out. And he mentions the second type, qitalu talab, offensive fighting, going out on the offensive. And that is when the Muslims are strong. So then they fight the enemy in their lands and they call them to Allah. So if they accept, either they accept or otherwise they fight them in order to raise high the word of Allah. And he gives the ayah, وَقَاتِلُوهُمْ حَتَّى لَا تَكُونَ فِتْنَةً وَيَكُونَ الدِّينُ كُلُّهُ لِلَّهِ Surah Al-Anfal, the 8th surah, ayah 39. With the explanation, and fight against them, so that there is no fitna, so that there is no shirk, and that the whole of the religion is for Allah. With regard to the explanation of the term fitna, as a side point, the term fitna in the ayah being explained to mean shirk, then this was one report from Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah. And likewise was stated by al-Hasan al-Basri, 
and likewise was stated by Qatada. And was a statement of Ibn Jarir at Tabari as well. That what's meant by fitna in the ayah, fight them until there is no fitna. They, all of them said, meaning shirk. Fight against them until there is no shirk. And that the whole of the religion is for Allah. So having dealt with this point, the point that fighting against the unbelievers is of two types. Fighting to repel them from the Muslim lands. And then secondly, when the Muslims are strong, taking the jihad to their lands. Then he said, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, mentioned that jihad passed through a number of stages. And then he mentions the stages that Ibn al-Qayyim said jihad passed through. I mean the history of jihad. The stages which it passed through from the start to the end. So he said, the first, the first stage is when it was something prohibited. This was when the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims were in Mecca. So they were commanded to withhold their hands and to establish the prayer and to pay the zakat. And he gives the ayah as evidence for this stage of jihad. أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ قِيلَ لَهُمْ كُفُّوا أَيْدِيَكُمْ وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاهِ Surah An-Nisa, the fourth surah, ayah 77. With the explanation, have you not seen those who when they were told to withhold their hands and to establish the prayer and to pay the zakat, to give in charity? Surah An-Nisa, the fourth surah, ayah 77. So this ayah is an evidence, and the continuation of the ayah, this is an evidence for this first stage of jihad, when it was prohibited. The Muslims were commanded to withhold their hands. And as a, as a side point, in case someone wonders, that the zakat was established in Medina. Zakat was legislated in Medina, and this ayah came down in Mecca. So just as a side point, Al-Hafidh ibn Kathir said, about this point of the, the mention of zakat in this ayah, he said, the believers at the beginning of Islam, whilst they were in Mecca, were commanded with the prayer and the zakat, even though it was not with the set levels. Rather, they were commanded to assist the poor and needy from amongst them. In other words, what's meant by zakat is a charity, not with the full regulations and the obligation of the zakat, which came... Which came in Medina. So what's meant is charity as without the without the the restriction, without the rules that came down in Medina. Then Sheikh Al Fawzan said, So the prohibition was because the Muslims were not able and they had neither a state nor strength. And Allah commanded his prophet to have patience and to overlook and to wait until relief came. So anyone who fought within this level then he would be being disobedient to Allah and his messenger.
I mean, this level in, in Mecca, the time when the Muslims are weak, anybody who was to fight jihad in that time when they're commanded to withhold their hands, he said, then he would be being disobedient to Allah and his messenger. Since fighting at this stage would result in harm to the Muslims and to the call and in the unbelievers prevailing over the Muslims. And Ibn Qayyim mentions the second stage. The second stage was when the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Al-Madinah, performed hijrah to Al-Madinah, and the state of Islam was established. Then he was given permission to fight, but not ordered to. And Shaykh al-Fawzan gives the ayahs, أُذِنَ لِلَّذِينَ يُقَاتَلُونَ بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى نَصْرِهِمْ لَقَدِيرٌ الَّذِينَ أُخْرِجُوا مِنْ دِيَارِهِمْ بِغَيْرِ حَقٍ إِلَّا أَنْ يَقُولُوا رَبُّنَا اللَّهِ وَلَا وَلَا دَفْعُ اللَّهِ النَّاسَ بَعْضَهُمْ بِبَعْضٍ لَهُدِمَتْ لَهُدِمَتْ صَوَامِئُ وَبِيعٌ وَصَلَوَاتٌ وَمَسَاجِدُ يُذْكَرُ فِيهَا اسْمُ اللَّهِ كَثِيرًا سورة الحج the 22nd surah ayahs 39 to 40 with the explanation Permission to fight is given to those who are fought against because they have been wronged and Allah is fully able to grant them victory. Those who are expelled from their homes without any right just because they said that our Lord is Allah alone. And if it were not for Allah's repelling some people with others then many monasteries, churches, synagogues and mosques wherein Allah's name is mentioned much would have been demolished. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan said, So therefore permission was granted to them without an order. I mean, they were permitted to fight in this state when they were fought against, but they were not ordered that they had to. So this was a preparation for them. So affairs which are difficult are legislated by Allah gradually in order to make them easier for the souls. In other words, affairs like jihad, which is something difficult upon the people, and Allah legislates them in stages to make them easier. Then he mentions the third stage. He said the third stage that he was commanded to fight against those who fought. In the last stage was permission, now it's a command. He was commanded to fight against those who fought and to withhold from those who did not fight. Then he gives the evidence, وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ الَّذِينِ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُعْتَدِينَ Surah Al-Baqarah, the second surah, ayah 190, with the explanation, and fight in Allah's cause against those who fight against you, and do not transgress. Allah does not love those who transgress. He said, and this is called قِتَالُ الدَّفَعَ This is called defensive fighting. Then he mentions the fourth and last stage through which jihad passed. 
The fourth stage was when the Muslims became strong and they had force and Islam had a state. Then they were commanded to fight unrestrictedly. And he quotes the ayah, in fact he quotes two ayahs. فَإِذَا سَلَخَ الْأَشْهُرُ الْحُرُمْ فَاقْتُلُوا الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ وَخُذُوهُمْ وَحْصُرُوهُمْ وَاقْعُدُوا لَهُمْ كُلَّ مَرْصَادٍ Surah Tawbah, the ninth surah, ayah 5, with the explanation. Then when the sacred months have passed, then fight against the mushriks wherever you find them, and seize them, and besiege them, and lie in wait for them in every ambush. And he quotes a second ayah. وَقَاتِلُوهُمْ حَتَّى لَا تَكُونَ فِتْنَةٌ وَيَكُونَ الدِّينُ كُلُّهُ لِلَّهِ Surah Al-Anfal, the 8th Surah, Ayah 39, with the explanation, and fight against them until there is no more shirk and all of the religion is for Allah alone. Shaykh Al-Fawzan said, so Allah commanded fighting unrestrictedly. So when they became ready, and they had strength, and they had preparation, <coughs> then Allah's Messenger وسلم, began to fight military battles. The Battle of Badr, and Uhud, and Al-Khandaq, the trench, and so on, until the conquest Al-Fatih, I mean the conquest of Mecca, occurred. And the people entered into the religion of Allah in crowds. And then Allah's Messenger وسلم, passed away. And then the Ridda, then the apostasy occurred. You know, some people, large groups of tribes, left Islam, committed apostasy. So therefore Abu Bakr fought against them. And then when he had finished with them, he began to fight jihad against the unbelievers. So he prepared armies to fight against the Persians and the Byzantines. And then he died, then he passed away. And then Umar radiallahu anhu came and continued with the conquests until the empires of Kisra and Qaisar fell. That was the empire of Kisra, meaning Persia. And the empire of Qaisar, meaning the Byzantine Empire, the Eastern Roman Empire. And the religion became widespread. And they came to have decisive influence over the whole of the earth. It's east and it's west. So this is fighting in Islam. And these are the levels these are the stages through which jihad passed in Islam. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan returns to the point and says, I mean, returns to the point that's mentioned in the, in the text. He said, So who is it that organizes the fighting and leads it? It is the ruler, the imam. It is the ruler. So we follow the ruler. So if we are commanded to fight... 
then we fight. And we do not fight without the permission of the ruler. For that is not permissible. Since this is something which is only fitting for the ruler to decide. And he gives the ayah. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَا لَكُمْ إِذَا قِيلَ لَكُمُ انْفِرُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ الثَّاقَلْتُمْ إِلَى الْأَرْضِ Surah Tawbah, the ninth surah, ayah 38, with the explanation, O you who believe, why is it that when it is said to you, go out to fight in Allah's cause, that you cling to the earth? Shaykh Fawzan said, so the fighting is something within the competence of the ruler. So if he orders the people to go out and fight, then it becomes obligatory upon everyone able to bear arms. Then he makes the final point. He said, and it is not a condition that the ruler who establishes the hajj and the jihad must be free of sin. Must be, a, must be a person who does not commit sin. That's not the case. It's not a condition. Rather, he may be a person who has some sins and violations. However, as long as he does not exit from Islam, then it is still obligatory to fight jihad and perform the hajj along with him. And his rectification and strength are of benefit to the Muslims and his being or his having corruption just affects himself and as for the jihad and the hajj then they are for the benefit of the Muslims <coughs> and likewise the prayer so if he mean the ruler if he does what is correct then we are with him and if he does something wrong then we avoid that which he does wrong However, we do not rebel and break obedience. This is the position of the Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And upon this, the welfare of the Muslims is established. And as for the Ahlul Bid'ah wal Dalal, as for the people of innovations and misguidance, then they hold rebelling against those in authority of the affairs. This being the position of the Khawarij. So we free ourselves with Allah from this position. That's where Shaykh Al-Fawzan ends this point, ends this explanation. And just briefly, something from Shaykh Al-Albani, that he said in his brief notes to At-Tahawiyah, he said, on this point, no, he said no, that the jihad is of two categories, or two divisions. The first is that which is followed ayn, obligatory upon every individual. And that is to repel the enemy who has taken over something from the land of the Muslims. Such as the Jews today who have occupied Palestine. So the Muslims will all be sinful. Well, the Muslims will all be sinful until they are taken out from it. And the second 
is that which is the second type of jihad, is that which is fard kifaya, a communal obligation, means obligatory that someone carries it out. He said, he actually says that, if some establish it, then it falls away from the rest. And that is the jihad in Allah's cause to spread the Islamic call to the other lands until they become judged by Islam. So whoever submits from their people, then well and good. And whoever stops and blocks it, and blocks the call to Islam, then he is fought against. So and until the word of Allah becomes the highest. This is the jihad, which can, and it will continue, jihad will continue until the day of resurrection. I mean this one, and not to mention the first one. And it is unfortunate that today some people deny it. I mean, some people deny jihad altogether. What does the Sheikh mean? Like the Qadianis, for example. He said, and they don't only do this. Indeed, they make that a distinguishing sign of Islam. I mean, they make it a sign of it, that Islam is just peace. There's never any jihad at all. And he said, and that is just one effect from the effects of their weakness and inability to establish the obligatory jihad. And Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa spoke the truth when he said, إِذَا تَبَايَعْتُمْ بِالْعِينَةِ وَأَخَذْتُمْ أَذْنَابَ الْبَقَرِ وَرَضِيتُمْ بِالزَّرْعِ وَتَرَكْتُمُ الْجِهَادَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ صَلَّطَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمْ ظُلًّا لَا يَنْزِئُهُ عَنْكُمْ حَتَّى تَرْجِئُوا إِلَى دِينِكُمْ the hadith that Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, When you involve yourselves in the ina transaction, a transaction involving riba, usury, <coughs> and you take hold of the tails of cows, and you become fully satisfied with agriculture, and you abandon jihad in Allah's cause, then Allah will cause humiliation to overcome you, and He will not remove it from you until you return to your religion. Shaykh al-Bani mentions brought, this hadith is brought in a sahihah as number 11 and it's from a hadith as Shaykh mentions there a hadith reported by Ahmad and Abu Dawood from a hadith of Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah it being an authentic hadith and just a very final point a very brief point then the explainer Ibn Abil Iz mentions in his explanation that with regard to who this point is a refutation of, this point about f- fighting jihad along with the rulers and performing hajj along with the rulers, he said, the Shaykh Rahimahullah, Minat Tahawi himself, he said, the Shaykh Rahimahullah indicates here a refutation of the Rafidah. He indicates a refutation of the Rafidah, meaning the Rafidah Shia. Those who say that there is no jihad in Allah's path until someone from the descendants of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam who is fully pleasing appears and until a caller a caller calls out from the sky follow him and this is what the rafi the shia said there's no jihad until this happens this person the perfect imam appears in their claim and a caller calls out from the heavens follow this man until that happens they say there's no jihad Shaykh uh, Ibn Abil Is says 
and the falsity and futility of this saying is more clear than to need any evidence to prove it. And they also make a condition for the ruler, I mean the Rafi the Shia, make a condition for the ruler that he must be ma'soom, free from sin. They make that a condition without any evidence. There's no such condition for the ruler. Walhamdulillah wa sallallahu ala Muhammad.